Well, 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 Greg, we have uh, somebody in a real pickle here. Oh my gosh, you're you're not joking. When you're hanging off a roof, that's not so good. It's, it's a bad not, way to end. It is. He wasn't even hanging. He was falling. He right? was falling. I mean, it is, wasn't. I know. I didn't even realize it the last time until you took me back a little bit. And it's not just any old roof. It's the Empire State Building. Well, I didn't realize it's the Empire State Building, apparently, because I don't read closely enough. But you've you've got it. And, and, the, and for those of you that are listening to Funny Book Forensics, we're having one of our fantastic introductions where we just start talking and have... You have no idea why or, or what we're doing. Oh, they have an idea. They were paying close enough attention to the last episode. Right, dear listener? I'm sure. And as you're going into full Stan Lee mode here, true <laughs> believers. Right, dear listener. That's right, true believers. True believers. We have another Anyone. issue of <laughs> we have another issue of Nathaniel Dusk, private investigator. Oh yes. And we have another issue of this beautiful mini series. This would be issue two. Number by two Helen McGregor. Gene Colon on art. We've got John Costanza lettering. Tom Zuiku. Zuiko. Um, I've messed that up like every time now. All two times on two colors. Times. Edited by Alan Gold. And we have a guest inker for the cover. One Bob Smith, who's who's done nothing ever. Ah, uh, bad Dan. Bad Dan. Bob Smith is a legend. He is. I, my He's wife. just done a few things. He's just done a few things. I mean, yeah, like like everyone, like everyone that we talk about, he's done nothing. He is he is the man is is pure legend. Uh, just worked had his hands on on every bit of our our long boxes, short boxes. Every time you spun that spinner rack through the eighties and the nineties, he probably touched one of those books that you held near and dear to your hearts. Um, any of those super teams, the Archies, any any of those those books, House the Archies, the, yes, the Archies, yes, he was all about and all into those, and specifically on the Archie comic strip too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, just he's just done a few things. I mean, just it's a few things, a few minor things. Yeah, I mean. It, He's only done a few things for DC Comics. Yeah, and if those things aren't your bag, then I mean, he did he did some work for Dark Horse, you know, Aliens, Colonial Marines, and whatnot. But uh, you know, the man he's a he's a Pacific Northwest legend. Uh, had the the pleasure of of tabling next to him once or twice, and uh, my wife uh, a big fan of the Archie's books and comic strips uh, was like. Wait, that's that's Bob Smith. That's the guy that did the books that I used to go to the store and buy. And I'm like, yeah, it is. You want to go talk to him? And in her total kind of like turned into a 12 year old kid, walked over and scooped up handfuls of books <laughs> to bring. Yeah, home. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about Bob Smith before, and I'm sure we have. But I have also pulled up. You were saying, well, you'd have you'd be able to talk about Bob Smith because he's done Legion. Well, he's done a grand total of one Legion book. I, yes. Uh, he's done one Legion book. He's done new team Titans. Of course it's well, and I can't say one Legion book. He did one L E G I O N book. And he also did some who's who in the Legion. Mm-hmm. However, he did the one Legion book that made me cry. Well, it probably wasn't the only one that made me cry. Cause I'm a big cry crier, but he did the Legion of superheroes volume three, number 16, where Brainiac 5 walks in and says, 
I've waited a thousand years for this, and he's watching Supergirl die over and over again from Crisis. Spoilers from 1985. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, if, you, if you've ever caught any of the uh, the shows, uh, Nerds from the Crypt, um, we have a lot of love for House of Mystery over there as well. So he was he did a lot of those, and I have quite a few of those in my in my box. I think it's also just fascinating that he has such longevity and he's right around the corner from us up here in the Northwest. Yes, he is. He, like I said, he, um, he's don't don't give away his hometown. I'm not, I'm, but he, he, you can catch him. You can catch him at, uh, or, well, you could, you could before. I'm not sure what is, what is comic shows and other things are like in this new era, but in the past he, he was on the scene and out there hanging out with these folks. I didn't, I guess he's from Aberdeen. Wow. Okay. Well, according to Wikipedia, he's from Aberdeen. I want to, I want to stress that I have not confirmed that with a real source. And like us, he went to community college first. He went to Grays Harbor college. That's fantastic. Well, love that. (laughs) Enough on Bob Smith though, since he literally contributed to one page of this book, but it is a cool page. And uh, with his inking, it does have a, it is interesting. The cover has a little bit more of a cartoon look than the interiors. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a it's got a, a nice look. It's got I mean, it definitely draws you from that from what we left with on the last page of the last book and it sets up uh, what's going to happen from yeah, this I'm not cover. sure what's going on on the the sea, on the in the snow though. It looks like there are bear tracks. Uh I th- I I think they're handprints cuz I think they've been they've been grappling around on the grappling on, fighting. Yes, they've been I mean, Nathaniel Dusk is fighting for his life, man. Well, and if we're setting the scene for you in the last issue, Nathaniel Dusk was falling off the entire Empire State Building. And now Nathaniel Dusk is being held by Mr. Mouth. Is it Mr. Mr. Loudmouth? Mr. Big Mr. Mouth. Loudmouth. Yeah. The big guy. Uh, the big guy, of course, in honor of uh, recently departed from the Earth, uh, Scott Hall. So not the big guy. He's the medium guy. So yeah. I was going to say the bad guy. And I totally messed that up. So there we go. <laughs> That's Leave okay. it to me to mess up every reference possible in paying a tribute to somebody. Uh, here we have uh, Nathaniel Dusk hanging off a roof, and uh, right now it's not looking good. We got a hat flying down. Yeah, and a bunch of cars. You can see the headlights and, in the distance. And like any good mystery, how do you get out of this? I don't know yet because we have a Frogger video game ad on the next page from Parker Brothers. Ooh, Frogger, a good one. Yeah, I played a, a little bit of Frogger. Maybe, yeah, just a titch. I played Frogger on the black and white TRS-80 Model 3. Oh, nice. I God. think Frogger might have been on a tape. On a tape on the Trash 80? <laughs> yep. Ooh. You load that tape in there and leave the room for a few minutes while that bad boy loads. <laughs> it's got to play through that first, like, five minutes to, to boot it all up, and then you go in and you hit the prompts, and then then it's like, okay, now I can play the game. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's uh, basically it. It had to be small enough to load in the computer's cache. Uh, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. You got that bad boy loaded up there. When I got a floppy disk, that was fantastic. You were like, oh my. What is this magic? It's magical. And it held so much. So much. Frogger may have been on a floppy disk. I honestly don't remember, but I definitely had games on tapes. Oh, I, I've got at one point. I, I still have games on tapes. Of course you do. I have no <laughs> idea where mine would be. Somewhere in the ether. Some somebody in the Pacific Northwest has a TRS eighty model three that I used to play Frogger on. <laughs> Somewhere. They've they've kept it alive all this time. 
I'm sure. I'm sure they use it on a regular basis, too. It's probably in a museum or something. Could be. Should be. Well. Uh, shall we flip over we to could, the next page and see what happens? Uh, okay. We'll talk about the book instead of TRS-80s. I mean, it, admittedly, it's also from the same time period. So Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, we've got... Now, it, it's not looking so good. Now we oh, get no. back to the first page, and he's not just being held onto the building he's like falling down yeah he's, he's doing a dance <laughs> his hands are like out yeah his hands are like out in the sky uh, or out toward the street uh, there's no way he could survive this right and yeah he's, he's falling he's he's gonna lose his hat he's no indiana jones dun, 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 dun. oh i are you referring to well you know it is who i was referring to but he is definitely not him because he, well, he saw death. <laughs> he did. He, 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 he's, he's narrating his own death as he goes. He's like, the night was dark and great fear seized me. And he saw death. I saw death, he says, just like you said. And as clearly as I could see the distant city lights. And he is falling. And we get to page two. Because it's a four-issue series. So he's going to be dying right now. And that's going to be a, quite the twist, right? Because oh. who will the series be about after that? I know, right? That's what I was like. Oh, man, he's going to come back as, as something else. But Nathaniel Dusk is one hell of a gymnast, and he flips completely around and grabs the side of the building. Yep. And a foot. Yeah, and it's not looking good. Miss, Mr. Big Mouth there is uh, fighting, and they're fighting. We've got Cadaver on the roof, so we got these two gangster baddies. They're out to take him out. We get really cool words and action, which I, I think, again, gosh, and art. But yeah. this comic is, I love the flat tones here too. It really draws the scene. Like it's snowing. The tones are really flat. Mm-hmm. And it apparently nighttime as well. So yeah. you can see everything. And you've got basically a internal monologue where he is holding on for dear life. And then finally, uh, trying to hold him up there and throw him off. Big Mouth slips on the slush and hits his face on the side of the building. Yeah. With a nice Lucky crumb. for Dusk. <laughs> yeah, lucky for Dusk. He's got his and knee all bent out of shape and everything. Ooh, it's ugly. Yeah, it's not good. And they keep fighting, and they fight back to the roof. And he uses him. He says he uses him like a human rope ladder, drives <laughs> him up. And uh, now you get cadavers, uh, which is back there with a the gun, just sitting there, just watching everything just, go down. Just yeah, he's just waiting. Him. He's he's just waiting. He's definitely a smaller guy. And then eventually, here we get Dusk gets to hop himself off the roof and uh, move on. He's getting up and he's throwing some hands. And uh, he says it went the other way. I think it was more willpower than any physical act that made the difference. And he's able to get out of there. And then we get an ad for Brothers board games. Got these last time that are totally awesome. According to Dave Jackson, expert gamesman. He's playing all these games, but they're board games. And he is an expert gamesman. He has like some wide shades here with a dog collar with spikes yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. And that's what expert gamesmen look like. And a popped yeah. jean jacket collar. Yeah, well, after 40 hours of popping quarters in to Popeye, you know. <laughs> well, but these or are board games. Five hours, five hours of 40 quarters. That's oh. that's a still, that's a lot. Oh, he split for home. Now you're reading the copy. See, this is where I'm behind schedule here. You're reading the copy. Yeah. I've got the new Parker Brothers Arcade series. They help sharpen my strategies. I'm not really sure how. I don't know either. <laughs> but he's got it. And I think the important thing is to remember is if you're going to wear a, a studded spiked collar, you should definitely pop your collar so nobody can see it. That's true. It's true. Hide it. 
you, you don't want to show that off. No. That's some gel in that hair, too. I mean, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, He's looking good. He's looking kind of like a young Boz. He is kind of looking like a young Boz. He needs to spike up a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got the look. Here's your million-dollar ad you love. <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. It's just, and it, this is just one more thing, too, to think how regional comic book sales or you know, it's interesting. We're reading this book right about New York, and you think you and comics were still sold, you know, in Seven Elevens or on newsstands. Here we have an advertisement for a store in New Jersey, and the problem number one is Spider Man is in it. So I'm not really sure why they bought a Spider Man ad for DC Comics. I'm amazed that DC Comics ran this ad at all. <laughs> I, there's got, I mean, there's got to be a story behind this this ad, right? They had a lot of money. And then we've got Garcia. So Garcia, 21 Law Drive, Fairfield, New Jersey, 07006. And they are selling a spinning combo fishing reel. And they've got the $1 million Christmas rebate spectacular seer dealer. So I'm wondering if Garcia was bigger than just being in New Jersey. But this is, I, I have no idea who these folks are. And this is bizarre to me. I don't um, know. How this company in New Jersey would get this ad in a comic and a DC comic featuring Spider-Man and, and they run an address of just being in New Jersey. So maybe they're advertising their Garcia fishing rods maybe. that sell everywhere. Is that is that going to be Could my be. guess? Ask dad to help you choose the Garcia spinning or spin cast model that's just right for you. So that must be it. It must be Garcia fishing rods and they're sold by dealers across the country. But this is bizarre. And, and, and wouldn't Aquaman maybe be it? Well, I know that's that's like, that's like <laughs> that would that sounds fishy to me. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is, would that be would that be cannibalism? I mean that. I mean he might he might do it, but I mean I don't what know. What if it was like Aquaman and he could telepathically talk to the fish and bring them toward the fishing rod? Oh, that'd be cool. And then you could always you always get them. Hook, line, and sinker every time. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Next wow. page. So, I know. I just... I, I'm done with it. One, one, one more dad joke, more than I want to go. <laughs> every every time. we just, There's a line, Greg's, Greg crosses it. Oh, I'll have more as this book goes on, I'm sure. Well, Nathaniel Dusk uh, gets down and, uh-oh, Big Mouth is like, goddamn... God damn, in a comic book in 1980. Wow. They, they got okay. words. Yeah, even uh, when I was reading, gosh, as a kid, uh, Legion book, so probably 85. It was a Tales book, so 85, 86. It was like, I th I, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but one of the characters said, oh, my God, and it was spelled out O-M-I-G-O-D. Ah. All one word. And that's how they could slide it through the comics code. So anyway, they got... <laughs> We got a goddamn in here. I, I thought, sure, he was going to fall off uh, right on his bean. And uh, he finds a window, um, basically breaks into somebody's apartment. Or an office. Yeah. Finds a, yeah, it's probably two if it's the uh, building. It's the loud mouth. The loud mouth. You said the big mouth. Loud mouth, big mouth. The phone and I kept thinking of Joyce. The loud mouth hadn't mentioned Joyce by name, but damn sure he had been talking about her. Uh-oh. So these two were attacking him. Now he's hoping she'll pick up the phone. And somehow these guys make it down into the building and find exactly the office he's been in. So they're pretty they're good. quick. So, hey, you know, they're they're both amazingly good and terrible at their job at the same time. Yeah. 
because they certainly can track him down and they can certainly all find him, but they cannot kill this guy. He is, he is amazing. And then he gains the strength of the Hulk and flips an entire giant wooden desk onto them, which if you've ever been around one of those wooden old school file cabinet desks, uh, Dusk has been eating his Wheaties. It's all about leverage, Dan. It's all about leverage. He leverage. He it's put, all about he, leverage. He used his legs. Really? Is that he where we're going down? Now? He he used his body like a fulcrum. <laughs> Are you really going all battlefield earth on me? Yes. <laughs> leverage. Can we get some leverage? It's all about leverage. Yes. And if you've never seen Battlefield Earth, and certainly you should not ever see Battlefield Earth, you you will have no clue what I'm talking about. Now people are going to go out and look for this movie, and they're going to... sorry, do not watch it. I'm just telling you, do not watch it. Look up a clip on YouTube where John Travolta is talking about leverage. Do not watch <laughs> do, do not watch the whole movie. You, you will regret this decision for the rest of your life. But they should get Dianetics. No, <laughs> change your life maybe that's what nathaniel dusk used to we're gonna get sued we're gonna get sued we can't talk about this anymore we're gonna get sued we're done i never said anything one listener i am so sorry but we're getting sued it's it's all over oh man it is i'm sorry leverage comes up and it's all done they're That's, not a church. Anyway, I never so said I, I, we're, moving, we're moving on. Yeah. And the phone just he kept, kept listening ringing. for the phone somehow while flipping a desk on somebody. And anyway, he said the two now they're, he's kind of like where we are with these two. He said the two looked more like Laurel and Hardy and season <laughs> killers. Yeah. Uh, but the guns in their hands were still a joke or weren't a joke. Sorry. Uh, all the way out to the hallway, I could hear the phone ringing unanswered. So, okay, it just fell, and he could just hear the phone ringing. Yeah. Okay, I got it. So, all right, and we are moving on. And he sees an officer, and the officer says, hey, don't shoot. And he's just like, he says, keep your hands up. And he's like, listen close. There are two men behind me. And then, bam, they shoot the officer. And he's still running uh, from Loudmouth and Cadaver. Yep. And, you know, it's really interesting because we are now eight pages into this book or seven pages into this book. And the last book, read the last, the first issue to it's, you know, as it should set the scene, set the characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, told you everybody that I shouldn't say everybody, but pretty much everybody who's in the book. And now we get seven straight pages of action moving straight into action. Here. Yeah, yeah, it is just boom, boom, rapid fire, just moving right through. And I really thought that was a cool piece, right? Because you spent, you know, a good, you know, you have, what, 23 pages, right? So you got to get everything you can in there. And they spend 23 pages of the first book setting up the characters and then giving you that action at the end where he's falling off the building. Uh-huh. And now we have the first, uh, you know, third of the book of, of getting out of that situation. I, I uh-huh. thought that was that was a nice touch. Oh, yeah, definitely. And still fantastic art. So. Yeah, it's it, it definitely draws the eye, the the way the, the the visual storytelling keeps you moving, the pacing, everything is to, to, to the way the panels are put out there. I really like how it sets up. It, it tells that story. And it and like we said in the last book, in the last podcast about this, the previous book, it kind of set the tone for future comics and how stories were told. And then we get where that tie in he mentions in that uh Back issue two, or the end of the first issue, the 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 piece that uh, the text piece, and we get another reference to the cabbie strike that was happening uh-huh. at the time. Yep. 
And so he's trying to get away. He jumps in a cab and think about uh, lots of drivers are talking about putting the screws to old Mayor Fiorello. And here's the cabbie immediately. Hey, he raises cab fare five cents. And who's it go to? I'll tell you who it doesn't go to, who it don't go to. Don't go to the drivers, working stiffs like me who've got kids to feed. Yeah. And that's where Heath Slater comes in and drives the cab. Because <laughs> he's got kids. Because he's got kids. <laughs> so we'll move on and flip the page. Okay, now I don't remember this this uh, Odyssey game. Oh, I, it, must, it was for Odyssey? Yeah, I don't. I, I Out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, this is really out of my wheelhouse. Probe, the Probe 2000 series. Yeah, we could we could talk to Travis about this. I'm sure he might have some insight. <laughs> yeah, it's probably just not what I'd name a game either. <laughs> Pro, War Room or Probe 2000? Probe 2000. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like the best thing to name a game. You could also play it on ColecoVision. That was the Odyssey, right? No, Odyssey and ColecoVision were two different systems, but oh. it was also available on ColecoVision, it says. Oh, you're right. I know that. Okay. But yeah. High it's tech. War Room, the new high-tech technology Probe 2000 strategy game. Oh, it was for ColecoVision. It's just got Odyssey, the Odyssey thing down the blow. So Odyssey made ColecoVision? I think they just made the games. Okay. Maybe they were, it was after they had... No, uh, but Odyssey had a system. Yeah, right? Odyssey had a system. I think it might have been at, like when Sega stopped making systems, but they still make games. Ah. Uh, okay. You know, so Sega still makes games. They just don't make systems anymore. I got you. So maybe well, Odyssey... Nothing like same. Pickaxe Pete on the Odyssey, right? Yeah. Like, you know, not, it's, we promise you, it's not Donkey Kong. Yes. It's not Donkey Kong. It's pickaxe. It's just a man with a pickaxe jumping barrels and stuff. And yes. Yeah. Similar, but different. Okay. Well, anyway, we get back and, uh, dust gets his cab ride. Um, and he jumps out and, uh, Oh Oh, man, cops, cars and cops everywhere. And, uh, there's his buddy, uh, Lieutenant Abrams. Yeah. And he says, you don't want to go in there and you're right. You don't. I don't, but I have to. And he runs upstairs and he gets there and there is Joyce and her blood is splattered everywhere and there are gunshots everywhere. Yeah, she is in her practical flannel nightgown. I don't think she's sleeping anymore. Oh, maybe she's sleeping forever. So where um, where are we sitting here on this? I know it's I know it's a film noir piece, so I think it's right for the period and et cetera. Right. And a private Mm -hmm. investigator piece. Uh, are we in, well, I'll just pose the question to you. Okay. Are we in the category of simply murdering a woman as a plot device? And that's all the, that she gets in the, in the story. Or do you think they did enough with her in the, the first issue to not be that? I think they did enough with her and the, the, the character, uh, the development between the two of them as we, we are getting to, to see them together uh, yeah. as we're, we're seeing them, we're seeing her kids and we're seeing him try to navigate that. And we're getting a sense of, okay, he's trying to become comfortable with this. This is fairly new, but it's something that is starting to feel okay. And she wants him to stay and be part of all this. Yeah, I did. Think, yeah, I felt like the character was three dimensional, especially when she attacks like the two dimensional character in the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Right. She tries to comfort her and then that's rejected. And yeah, you get something there. I think but they, it also. 
but it also what? Well, it's also it's also I mean, it was intentionally set up as a plot device. Like he had to know this is where it was going in issue two. Right. I'm going to set up this character, but immediately murder them. Uh, I would I wouldn't have thought that. OK, well, I didn't think it is the reader. I'm just saying as the writer. Right. Yeah. I mean, as, yeah. From the writer's perspective. Yeah. He knew he was he was creating a character that was going to get killed, but had to make them give them enough um, of a build out or agency in the story to make you feel connected. And as the stories, I'm sure as we're going to find out, you know, there's, there's going to be something there for us. Well, and let's find out. And so we do get, uh, we do get her daughter, uh, Jenny looking back at Nathaniel who just interacted with her about whether or not he loved her mom. And so, and talking through and he just laments, he has no, uh, he has no answers for her questions. Yeah. So now we get to Thursday, February 1st, 1934. Oh, I see some bad guys on these pages. Yep. And that's uh, Abrams, right? Reviewing the stuff with him. Yep. Yeah. So and they're going through finding out who they are. Uh, the cadavers from Chicago. He's an imported gunman for the New York mob. Mm hmm. And they're still trying to figure out what this is all about, as are we, because we have no idea, like, why people want to kill a mother of two who just happens to be living in New York trying to make ends meet, who's yeah. dating a private investigator, and then kill him. This this makes little sense. Yeah. As it should, because it's a mystery, and I honestly have no idea at this point why this is happening. Yeah. Like, I mean, what what did <clears throat> what did what did Mr. Dusk do to, to bring all this on to... To, well, why would you even assume Mr. Dusk did anything? Like, what did well, Joyce do to bring well, this on? I mean, that's my Joyce assumption. was the one murdered. I know, but my assumption is that Mr. Dusk did something because why would you? Why would you kill her if Mr. If you didn't want to get back at Mr. Dusk for something? Well, and Lieutenant Murphy Abrams is trying to figure this out by talking to his old friend, mm-hmm. and eventually he's asking questions and. He says, you know, who wants you dead uh, so bad? They'll kill a woman just because you, you've been seeing her. And he says, you're asking for a friend or a cop. And he says both. So, you know, they're starting to get it's starting to get a little bit of tension here in the relationship. Yeah. And he says, I and this is where I know you're getting it from. But he says, I'm getting this weird notion that they tried to kill me um, because I was seeing her. I don't know where he's getting this notion from, but OK, February 2nd, Friday, February 2nd, 1934. It seems like all this is happening in a short span. <laughs> Which I love this. Yeah. So it's now we're within one week. <laughs> now we're in there at the funeral and there's little Jenny saying mommy's in there. And uh, he says that she said it without emotion. She might as well have been uh, talking about what was inside a brown paper lunch bag. And he goes to see Joyce and yeah, it's a sad, scene, sad scene. Oh yeah. And they head out to, uh, put Joyce in the ground. And again, we get the question, um, or he says to the kids, uh, she loved uh, your mom. She loved you kids. And Jenny looks back and says, did you love her? And he says, well, Jenny. Yeah. A- and that's it. I mean, how can he answer? It's a, it's, he's, he's a kind of a hard boiled kind of guy. Emotions aren't really his, his kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> but he was okay with having sex with their mom in the next room. Well, I mean... But he's a hard-boiled guy. 
I'm sure we're going to get there. Okay, well, I'll quit my feminist sound- critique of the issue and I will move back into the issue itself. You sound so, like you read the book. <laughs> he, sees, he sees Arthur Squire and... Uh, if you remember, Arthur came up in the previous issue. He hadn't seen uh, Joyce in a long time. And he meets her on the street. And he's a publisher of mm-hmm. Pulp Magazines. Yeah. Uh, he may be the king of comics, but not Jack Kirby. He's uh, the other king of comics. The the Schindler, the, the, the shyster, the chiseler. And so we've got this character that's clearly based off a real-life character from Fox Syndicate Comics, which is fantastic. But... Maybe not quite based off that. I would have to actually go ask the author, but I got that sense. So yeah, anyway, similar, uh, similar enough. We get that, and they start. Jeez, talking. Dan, what are you trying to get a suit? <laughs> no. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that was a loud water drink. You want me to edit that out later, don't you? I, I'm going to do it again and again and again. Oh, thanks. Always makes for fun. I mean, so anyway, he's talking to Squire. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's no Star Trek uh, um, uh, um, text alert. Hey, you only got one of those. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll never even notice that when it gets post. Okay, fair enough. And at least I have cool text alerts. I know. I don't like text alerts. No, you're just too lazy to customize your phone. But anyway. (laughs) It's true. Or I have too much time on my hands and I customize it with my phone. Maybe I should customize it with a Nathaniel Dusk-esque, like, film noir type soundtrack, just in honor of this issue. Ooh, could you? Well, what what song would you have me put on there? I don't know. You don't know. Well, these are why I ask you. I ask you, I lead you in with a question like that and you say, I don't know. Um, and you're the expert in all of this. Here, you think on that while I, I catch us up in the story here. So. Okay. Dusk is about ready to beat him up because he wants to know about Joyce's past, which is always a good thing if you want to know about somebody and you beat them up, right? And yeah. scare them. So he says, I don't want any trouble. I got trouble enough trying to get three pulps out a month and making sure uh, they're not close to the Shadow or Doc Savage. Uh, we get <laughs> Savage, we get sued. And obviously the Fox Syndicate person was in the 40s. But yeah, that's where I got, you know that link right always putting out those comics that were very similar (laughs) to the other uh but not so far away that people might not uh make the mistake and pick us up so he's literally just admitting to using the other characters (laughs) and trying to be as close as possible to them similar and and so you know dusk is pretty pissed here he's basically i don't need to know why someone would want her dead i need to ask someone who knew her before i met her before she cut off her past and the only one who fits the bill is you, Mr. Squire. So basically, he's the only person that knows. And Squire. Squire. Yeah. Wow. Says, I'm just going to go back into the woodwork. I don't need grief over a woman I hardly knew. And Oof. then he punches him. He, and it looks gets like he punches off. him more than one punch, though, because like the it, it, it looks like he speed bags him. <laughs> yeah, he might be speed bagging or he just like. It just really swung in. I mean, if yeah. he kidney punched him, he would go down like that. He's like, <laughs> well, we'll leave him alone. Uh, yeah. Abrams comes over and, and says he'll break his arm if you won't leave him alone. Does not arrest, arrest him, though. No. Yeah. And he does say the anchor said hit him again, hit him again. So you know, he probably just got one good punch in there. That guy's kind of a wimp. Got his good punch. And I mean a wimp in all senses, not just a wimp, like not strong, but a wimp in all parts of life, right? Like he's just like 
he was afraid to talk to her. He publishes these garbage stories. He slinks around in the corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not, he, he's, he's not a stand-up guy. And he's so kind of a jerk. He's kind of a jerk. I just want to go back to the fact that Bob Smith inked one of my favorite covers of all time. <laughs> I'm not getting distracted or anything, but I no. really like that. Now I want to meet Bob Smith. So we're going to have to have a table with Bob Smith. <laughs> now you're, you're going to be like, I find out when he's going to be doing a thing again. Or we'll invite him to a place and advertise it. Well, we'll see what we can do. Okay, well, that'll probably be on you because I'm more like Mr. Squire. I hide in the corners when it comes to talking to people and inviting them places. Oh. <laughs> and you're the one that actually invites them. So, well, now we get, uh, we're at, we change scenes to the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, staring into the East River. And we've got uh, Lieutenant Abrams again, right, talking to Nathaniel. Yep. And... They're talking and he's like, hey, it's really bad what happened, says the detective. He he doesn't know what's going on. Um, and Dusk reveals, you know, Abrams, I'd been in bed with that woman for the past three months. Uh, we did everything a man and woman can do, things I had no idea women would do and would do and enjoy them. And he is crying. So now he's crying. Uh, it's weird, though. The dialogue is interesting to me that he links. He still won't admit he's in love with her, but he re- links everything to sex. Mm-hmm. which is an interesting view of the character, right? And even the action that's been going on in the book so far. Yeah. But even through all that, he can't admit that he loved her, right? He all has to link it to the fact that he was going over there for sex. Mm-hmm. As he's crying. As he's crying. He's so you may have been right. Yeah, he's hard-boiled. Well, we flip a page, and you could buy an authentic shark's tooth pendant on a chain for nine ninety five. I have one. It's awesome. From Garo Sharko. Garo Sharko. And you could also send money to the Marsh of Dimes. Sweet. Anything else on this page you want? An NFL bike tag for $1.50? Mm, got one. Use video game cartridges? <gasps> Savings up to 75%. We buy and sell. I'm going to I'm gonna make a send a letter. Is Golden State Comics still in business? I don't know. Probably not. 25 cents for comic selling list and free protective comic bag. Ooh. I don't know. They might be. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, obviously, Mile High Comics. How about Centro Comics in New York? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, they had their own, like, logo. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Maybe you should hit up this Atlas body in seven days. Seven days? Oh, man. Man, that's I, I do believe in dynamic tension and resistance workouts, but I don't know that you're going to get there in seven days. Man, <laughs> I'd be Not so. just you. I mean, anybody. Like, yeah, that would be, be quite the... I think you'd be in a lot of pain if you try to do, if you <laughs> try, I'm going to get there in seven days. <laughs> yeah, like all day. Maybe that's how Nathaniel Dusk was able to grab onto the side of the building, though. He'd been doing that resistance tension. He's and got then that body under that, that trench coat. He'd been doing dynamic tension and then releasing that tension. See, and that's ah, why he's crying. Yes. Yeah, that, that's why he's crying now. Like, that, <laughs> how do I do my dynamic tension workouts now? I don't have any way to release the tension. They'd be stuck there forever. <laughs> Jeez. Well, then we get more warlord toys. So, oh man, I hope Mike Rell made a crap ton off of these. That'd be cool. Eric Remco brings you. Is that warlord. Eric, son of thunder? I hope so. Could be. I do help Mike Rell made a ton off these, but probably not. <laughs> since yeah. he, he was also doing John Sable at the same time. 
Yeah. Well, now we get dusk, and uh, in the dusk, he goes back to his his uh, house slash office slash liquor store slash bar slash everything, and he yeah. pours himself a, a nice drink there. Mm-hmm. Something I'll probably do after this podcast, considering I just got back from a trip and I'm tired, or I'm just going to go into fall asleep because I slept for like 12 hours last night. Well, now oh. not that long, like 10 hours, and then lucky, uh, I'm still beat up and tired because yeah. I slept for three hours on Sunday night. I wish I could sleep for 12 hours or 10 hours or. Whatever. Well, you could. You could go to sleep right now while I I'm talking, right in the middle of it, and then like our one listener, yeah. Uh, you could you could definitely do like the Bugs Bunny snoring that that that's fantastic. And then our one listener would be like, where did Greg go? And I would just keep talking and I would keep feeding you lines like drinking and stuff and you would just be gone. <laughs> and so the phone rings and he answers it and he's asked, who is it? And he says, it's Arthur Squire again. Um, and he says, I need to talk to you at 311 Division Street, apartment 3L. So Dusk heads out and he heads back uh to Oscar and ask him about his kid, Albert, and things yeah. haven't changed. He grabs a pulp called Master Detective that looks like it has Arthur Squire's picture on the front. It does. How convenient. And so they're talking about little Albert, and then he asks him where he gets these uh, magazines from Arthur Squire. And, and the, the news tank guy is like, I sell them, I don't read them. And he's he asks him then, he says, are you on your way to see the guy who prints these rags? That's, that seems like a forward question. I, yeah. I don't know why he would be thinking about that. And he says, yeah, if he gives me some free copies, I'll pass them on to you. So they're kind of exchanging in the back. And now we get him and he shows up at the apartment. He rings the buzzer. Nothing's happening. He decides since nothing's happening, it would be a totally good idea to break into the house. Yeah. Because that's what you do when people aren't responding. You break in. Well, I mean, it. there's, you know... He's Next time I go to your house and I ring the doorbell, and if I don't hear anything except the dogs barking, I'm going to break in. And then my grandma will greet you. <laughs> With wonderful Japanese food and good company. Mm, or she'll hit the, the, the medic alert button on her medic alert, and the police will come. <laughs> oh, well, that wouldn't be so good either. That's that's the plan. That's that, That's what she's been told to do. Well, I will remember that if I ever break into your house, that I'll make sure the dog is with me. And then she would not do that. She would, in fact, just play with the dog. I don't know. (laughs) Depends on grandma's mood. Yeah. (laughs) Well, anyway, we have exactly what you would think would happen. Um, If Squire called, yeah, he's he's dead. He's dead. So Joyce is dead. Squire is dead. And he can't reveal her past where he knew her before. And then he says, I never heard a sound. Um, it was disturbing at first. And then here we go. Somehow these guys know where he is again. Man, it's cadaver and loudmouth. And this time they got a gun and a knife. He's like, kitchen was no place for a gun battle. And uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or a knife fight, apparently. Though I, I would think a, knife, a kitchen would be an appropriate place for a knife fight. Yeah, but if the other guy's got a gun, I, I think he's out weaponed <laughs> yeah i just think you'd have a lot of ammunition well he fires back and heads down the fire escape and runs he's like i gotta go he's got a jam and then we get an advertisement for the zorcom spaceship man that thing looks awesome it really doesn't actually it's <laughs> it a big cardboard really box yeah <laughs> that's well anyway moving on 
I don't know how much more to say about the Zorcom spaceship. Let's find out where you send away for this. Utica, New York. Maybe we should reach out to uh, Zorcom Enterprises and see if they're still in business. And get a um, uh, awesome voices and laser battles and beasts come to live from Soundtrack. I'm sorry. I'm going to uh, click click a clack on my keyboard right now because I am you know look fascinated. Up. I'm not seeing anything from Zorcom Enterprises right now. I, I do see a trademark. Uh, I did. Uh, the first thing that came up was Trademarkia, whatever website that is. And yeah. trademark by Zorcom Enterprises, Inc. Interesting. Okay. Games, playthings, gymnastics, and sporting articles not included in other classes, decorations for Christmas trees. So it's quite the combination there. Games and playthings, gymnastics and sporting articles, and decorations for Christmas trees. These are the things that they, they were trademarking under Zorcom. Anything. Okay. There you go. Well, it sounds great. Zorcom Enterprises. All right. Hey. That's that's what I know. Well, we're moving on away from Zorcom and into an alley. Dusk. <laughs> and he is running and there is a train because we are in New York and here yep. we go. And they mentioned the L. Now, I have a dumb question. I've, I've been yeah. wondering about this as we've been okay. reading this book. The L train is in Chicago. Is is that correct? Oh, I think anything that's an elevated train is called an L. Oh, okay. So the L train is also in New York. Yes. And then if it has a big concrete track under it, it's a monorail. Yes. Well, that'd be because it's one rail. One rail. Right. Okay. We have a monorail in Seattle. We do. There's also a monorail at Disneyland. Yes, there is. So what okay. most towns need is a monorail. What most towns need is a viable... Greg, what most towns need is a viable mass transportation system that effectively gets people from one area of the town to another. A monorail. Which would lower the amount of traffic. Yeah, I just don't know that just a monorail would do that. You'd need like several monorails. Yes and no, but moving on. You need like four <laughs> of them going on at the same time. What we need is Hyperloop technology. I mean, it's there it's just not there well anyway so <laughs> now we're back in and man they uh, are really mean to public servants because they're picking on the the l train like the transit authority yeah yeah see chicago transit authority cta like you know chicago the band right see l train see that's where i was putting all this together okay but I mean, you're right. I guess there's an L train in New York. I'm just gonna run with that. There probably is. It's you're. you're pro I'm sure you're right. It's an elevated train. Well, anyway, uh, he loudmouth shows the elderly gentleman who is the transit authority officer his gun and says, "Ask him if he wants a nickel for the fare." I believe the officer was smart enough to just let them keep going because you don't see him get shot in the face. So that's fortunate. And now we're on the train platform, and we've got Nathaniel Dusk with the gun, and we've got loudmouth and cadaver, and. They're coming over the quote-unquote icy platform, and he squeezes the trigger, and nothing happened. His gun's jammed. Ah! Uh, uh, but unfortunately, the other guy's guns weren't, so they are shooting at Dusk as he dives into the train. And now he's running through the train, and he gets in between the trains. And he was going to try to get to the rooftop without them catching up to them. He dives up onto the rooftop. Uh-oh. But here comes Loudmouth to be no. continued. Oh, and then we get the text page, which is my favorite, because here we go. The book you are holding has at least one unique factor in the world of comics and hopefully a few others. 
This is by Don McGregor, the author. But that's for you readers to decide. Nathaniel Dusk may be the first private detective character to be released in his own title by either of the two major comics companies, DC and Marvel. And I, you know, read this whole piece and it's fascinating and it digs more into the genre of private detective comics where they showed up in like Dell comics and some of the other comic companies, Mm -hmm. a little bit of the history of it. It also gives you a view into McGregor's conversation with Dick Giordano and discussing, you know, whether or not they should actually publish the book and his own self doubt. And by the way, I mentioned this last time, love these pieces. So I do recommend if you, you know, grab hold of these books that don't pass up the text pages here. Um, They're really insightful and they give you a, great look into uh, what the author was thinking. Yeah. And, and I, what honestly DC comics was thinking. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting to, to catch that, that, that view from that time for time period and to see that the possibilities are there. Yeah. And so, and I'll, I'll turn back into this uh, next week a little bit too. I just picked up because of us reviewing this, I had been meaning to pick this up for a while, but um uh, Paul Levitz edited two uh, sets of books that, I mean, it's just groups of stories from the 80s. All right. They're called DC through the 80s. He had a volume one and a volume two, and volume two is called The Experiments. And so yeah. there is a reference to Nathaniel Dusk in this book. So I will crack this open before we record the next episode and take a look in and read what uh, Mr. Levitz, who was former vice president of DC Comics, but not vice president at this time, he was simply. Oh, no, he was the vice president of operations at this time. It says right there on the page in front of me. <laughs> also writing their second most popular book. And of course, my favorite Legion of Superheroes. Uh, and Dick Giordano was the vice president and executive editor. But for those of you that don't remember the history and we talked about this and now I'm going to mess it up because I did so good last week and I don't have the exact episode in front of me when we were discussing the Blue Beetle. But we're going back to Charlton Comics, right? I mentioned this last week. Yeah. And so Dick Giordano came over from Charlton Comics, where he was the editor, and he was hired by DC and stayed with them for a long time. So with that idea in mind, uh, he was the pitch guy, and he was really excited about doing some other things. And of course, <laughs> as we mentioned last time, DC had to, to try some other comics because Marvel was kicking their ass. Yeah. And this and this DC through the 80s is an interesting look. It's sort of the precursor to uh, something like uh, Sandman, right? You know, getting mm-hmm. into those books and, and seeing what they what worked and what didn't. And, and we do know that Nathaniel Dusk gets a second miniseries. So, I mean, I want to spoil the first one. So that maybe mean he doesn't die in the car here. Oh, whew. I know. So I've set your all's minds at ease, but. Yeah, just kind of thinking about like what the future of comics looks like and what DC has to do to try to get maybe some market share back or just some eyes on their books and, you know, eventually getting like into Vertigo comics, like just trying some different things. But I will say this wasn't the only thing they tried. They tried to be funny. They tried some other things. So, you know, you're looking at all sorts of attempts like Angel Love and Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew and (laughs) Amethyst and all sorts of different things here uh, that you might be thinking of and yeah. Swamp Thing and may, uh, a book called Watchmen. You may have heard of it. Never. Angel oh, okay. Love though. It's, it's an interesting, that's like a, it's interesting that you bring that up. It's such a, it's such a sweet book and yeah. it, it kind of like echoes a lot of um, the same kind of feels that if you, if you grew up reading Kathy in the comic strips and yes. it, it, it's, it's, it's a little more of a grown up 
<laughs> like she has a lot more stuff happening, but it's got a, that kind of, you know, that kind of feel and that kind of, that kind of art style to it. Yeah, it does. And well, and of course too, yeah, it has a very comic strippy art style. And of course they reference ambush bug here too, which, which was the first, I want to say the first character to do it, but you know, really ambush bug is the precursor to uh Deadpool, right. Talking, mm. uh, breaking the, the fourth wall, right. What? And constantly talking to the reader. Yeah, never. DC did it first. So, and, and ambush book, but I have not. You know, I draw. I quit reading the Suicide Squad books because I felt like the Suicide Squad series has just kept annoying the piss out of me by being terrible. And so, apparently, they're really great right now. And I missed the whole run. Ted Cord was back in the book, and now Ambush Bug is in the book. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and and I guess I was listening. I was listening to another podcast about what? comics. Oh about my! The Legion of Superheroes. I know. I this is a shock to everybody. Called Legion of Substitute Podcasters. Uh, that's a free, you know, I guess plug for our one listener. Um, that they, they just finished their seven hundredth episode. Seven hundred episodes. Yeah, on one <laughs> supergroup. Anyway, they were they were mentioning that Ambush Bug is now appearing in Suicide Squad. And I almost want to read it. So apparently, uh, what was his name? Bloodsport or whatever. The guy from the movie, which you haven't watched yet, puts his helmet on from the movie that didn't appear in comics. And I guess Ambush Bug <laughs> starts making fun of his movie helmet, like right in the middle for the reader. Huh. So <laughs> completely breaking character, just making fun of the fact that the movies are crossing over with the comics, like for no reason. Yeah. So nice. I think that's fantastic. Well, we are done with this issue. Because that's it, and we've got two more ads here. You've got Monogram Cars and Masters of the Universe video game. Oh. And I'm sure I'm sure the Masters of the Universe video game that like the He-Man and Skeletor are rendering are just like the cartoon on the on the screen. Yeah, no. Oh. It wasn't just like it? No. Oh. Okay. Was Fister in the game? I don't know. I think it might have been too early for him. I think it's a little early for Fister. He, yeah, this is 1983. He was at the end of the of the cartoons. Yeah, yeah I mean, because you know, you've really run out of ideas for superheroes <laughs> when you can only create a guy that can shoot things from his fist. Yeah. Yeah, and also has one of the most ridiculously hilarious names of any character in any genre ever. But right. leave that leaving that for now because this is the end of Nathaniel Dusk number two the end of the world as we know it and I feel well fine (laughs) so I guess that's all we're doing for funny book forensics and we'll see you next time next time maybe if we survive the train if we survive the train (laughs)